Eagles Entertainment. Hi, this is Doug Peterson from the Philadelphia Eagles with a special message for the class of 2020. I know it's not the senior year you envisioned, but you have all of us behind you, and we know you're going to do great things. Hi, Eagles everywhere, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I hope everybody is healthy and safe and enjoying a little time with the family you heard from Doug Peterson as he wishes the best for all graduates in the 2020 class. Very unusual circumstances. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining me, everybody. And we're at a bit of a lull here, five weeks into the off-season program, done virtually, of course. Eagles staying busy with these four-day-a-week classroom sessions and strength and conditioning sessions with the idea, as Doug Peterson said last week, of opening training camp on time late July at the Novacare Complex in South Philadelphia. On today's podcast, we're going to delve into a couple of topics here. One of them is Harold Carmichael, who waited so long to be voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He finally made it, right? Big celebration. But it hasn't gone exactly the way Harold thought it would go in this centennial class celebration because, of course, the world stopped. So we check in with the all-time great, the leader in receptions and touchdown catches in Eagles history. Harold Carmichael joins the show in just a little bit. But first, the line of succession at left tackle continues as we look toward perhaps a new era with Andre Dillard poised to take the starting job in 2020. If you remember way back when, left tackle was a mess. And then it all changed. When Trey Thomas came to town, we meet with Trey right now. Let's take a look at the Eagles' left tackle position in the 1990s. From 90 to 92, it was Ron Heller. It was Broderick Thompson in 1993. Bernard Williams in 94. Barrett Brooks, Jermaine Mayberry did it all from 95 to 97. And then in 1998, the Philadelphia Eagles using the 11th pick in the NFL draft, selecting from Florida State, Trey Thomas, and the left tackle position was solved. Trey Thomas joins me here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. And Trey, good day to you. Uh, Hope you're safe and uh, doing your thing in the pandemic. What, What exactly is your thing these days? Man, I've just been painting a lot, you know, just hanging out with my family. We paint and, you know, and I watch film. I get to sit down and just dig through a lot of film. And then after once I'm done digging through film, I go and pull out a canvas and, and throw some paint on the canvas and just hang out with my family. See, I, I like that because I would say that you were an artist at the left tackle position. <laughs> I would like to think so. <laughs> yeah. Through, it, it, does, it, does it take a, a certain artistry to play that position? I think so. You know what I'm saying? Because people have to look at it as, you know, it's poetry in motion at times when everything is clicking. It's a nice, smooth movement. It's timing when you have to shoot your hands and everything. So there's a lot of that that's going into it, especially when you see when you see it click with someone. You can see that, you know, there's no fold. There's no bend in them. There's, you know, you can punch and everything is nice and you're in tune, especially when it comes to picking up games and blitzes how you can switch everything off and it just looks like poetry and motion. Trey, I remember when you were drafted, I was actually at, the Eagles had a draft party at Dave and Buster's. And, you know, I, I don't know if you ever knew that the fans were really tuned into Randy Moss, right? They, they wanted Randy Moss. 
And I would have too. <laughs> well, it worked out. It worked out really well for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, coming into the NFL, what did you think you were good at? What did you think you needed to be really coached up and improving? I knew that I was pretty solid in protection, uh, just because of the guys that I used to go up against and practice all the time with Andre Wadsworth, Renard Wilson, Peter Bowlware, uh Greg Spires, Julian Pittman, Derek Alexander, a lot of guys that uh, played several years in the league. You know, uh, so, you know, just in practice, being able to go up against those guys every day uh, made it a lot easier. And I had to learn the position of offensive tackle, you know, because I came in as a defensive end out of high school. So I had to learn the position of offensive tackle. And I, I just wanted someone to just come in and just, you know, just keep me going. I thought I had a solid coach um, in college that really taught me the, the position really well when it came to protection. But um, just coming in with Juan, I knew uh, – from my workouts out there when I did my personal workout at Florida state, you know, why I kept trying to pull me to the side and work me out. And my agent knew how, what type of worker why was. So he was just like, uh, I don't know, man, let's, let's not do that. But when I, you know, you come out there, you go and you do all your visits and you go check out the other teams. And I came to Philly and, you know, as soon as I got here, Juan took me out on the vet turf and had me doing vertical sets. I mean, fresh from just getting off the plane. I'm still in street clothes. It's dark outside. And he's like, hey, man, I just want to get you out here on the turf because I want to see you do a couple of these sets. And just from there, I knew that this is the coach that I wanted to play for. So, you know, just because I knew his work ethic and what all the details that he was going to put into it. So I knew that he was the coach that I wanted to play for. So I just wanted to come in and just learn as much as possible. And it was just um, extremely fortunate for me to be able to come into a situation and work on the one. And it was also fortunate, you know, Trey, that, that Ray Rhodes leaves after 98. Andy Reid comes in 1999 in the famous story about how, you know, uh, Juan would do anything for a job, right? Of course. Yeah. But that, but that, but the fact is that, that Andy kept Juan Castillo, like that could have really set you back in a different way. Did you have any sense at all that Juan might not have made it? No, I, no, you know what? I really didn't, you know, it, it was after my rookie year. I really didn't grasp the whole concept of everything that was going on. I, but you know what? One thing that, that reminded my rookie year, you know, you notice that Juan walks with a limp, you know, back in the day. And I, and I know it kind of, you know, yes. yeah. So that was my rookie year. Juan walks out from the meeting room under the vet and catches a John Deere flush to his knee, crushes his kneecap. And he still comes out to practice on crutches. And you just knew, like, man, what you could see the pain in him. And Ray Rose had to send him off the field. So you knew what kind of work ethic. When you have a man that just took a John Deere to his knee, still come out there to practice and wants to put you through to do whatever he got to do to make you feel better, how much, you know, how much that influences you as a player, it makes you want to dig in. So I really didn't grasp the concept. I knew he would do anything that he had to to go and get the job. So when I heard that story, I'm like, okay, that sounds about right. Because I knew what type of worker and how dedicated he was to this game. By the way, Eagles trivia that maybe people don't know. Do you know who was driving that John Deere? I have no idea. I think it was the old swoop. I think it was a <laughs> the old swoop. I, I oh, there, yeah. Back in the old days, back at the event, there wasn't much room in the, in the corridors. And I think yeah. the swoop was zooming by. So nuts. Um, <laughs> but Juan was tough. Trey, uh, let's talk about this. It, 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 the, I was there before you. The mm -hmm. left tackle position was always in flux. Now you come along and you solidify it. You make it great. And from that point on, really, the Eagles have had an answer 
at left tackle, which brings us kind of to today where Andre Dillard is the second year player in line at this point to be that left tackle. And I wanted to know first your thoughts on, I know you left in two, after 2008 and then Jason Peters came in and, you know, things were, have been rolling really nicely. Why do you think the Eagles have been so fortunate and so successful at left tackle? Well, you, you bring in two guys that, that, that just had extremely good talent. I think with myself and then Jason Peters, you know, guys that can come in and had longevity at the career and uh, was extremely dedicated to their craft. I, I think that, um, you know, especially when you look at Jason Peters, just such an athletic being, man. I, I've never seen anyone that was as athletic as he was. I mean, I would sit there and watch JP, and I'm like, you know, there were only two offensive tackles that could play the type of game like JP could play, and that's only he and Walter Jones. I mean, two Hall of Famers, guys that can get out there and jump set you, can maul you, can also do do what they need to do to set back and can be patient and can shoot hands. I mean, I used to sit there and watch JP take on a bull rush and transition it into a drive block. I've never seen offensive tackles be able to set their hips and then turn it into a drive block. I, I just felt like it was ridiculous. And then to just see him just get down the field and just crush guys, man, it was just an awesome sight to see. I just felt like, you know what, hey, I, I'm not here anymore, but I know that the team is in good hands with JP in there just because I could see the type of athlete that he was. And now, potentially, we are in another transition phase with with Andre Dillard um, in line. I mean, JP is still out there. Doug Peterson said last week, Eagles staying in touch with him. But it, it, it's, it could be that we move to another phase here. So we saw Andre Dillard last year, Trey. Rookie, mm -hmm. played some left tackle, played some right tackle. We're going to focus on him at left tackle. Your thoughts on him moving into year two? You know what? I sat there and I watched. I, I, that's one of the things I focused on over these past couple of days. I went and broke down all of his his uh, the four, three or four games, especially the Minnesota game because he got thrown in there because JP went down. And then I think it was after that, it was um, Dallas. That was his first start. And then uh, going into Buffalo. But you can see when that first Minnesota game, now that's tough when you have to, you know, your first major competition is on the road because there's a lot that you're dealing with. First of all, you're not expecting to really get that many reps. And then when you get thrown out there and you're in a situation where you're behind and they have to air it out because now they're going to have to pass it, now you're dealing with all the crowd. You have to deal with silent count. That means now you have to watch the center's head. So you're watching the center with his head turned and everything. Make sure that your timing is down with that. And then now let's get to the responsibility of blocking your defensive end or whatever your responsibilities are. And I just felt like at times he just was a little uncomfortable. But as those games continue to go on, you can see him continue to get better. I mean, for you to come straight out in that Minnesota game and a receiver goes in motion, trips you up, you get put on your behind, and then you're like, oh, this is how it's going to start. And then, but he, he gathered himself, got right back into it, kept pushing. And then you saw him in Dallas. You know, he got a little pressure, gave up some stuff. But you kept seeing him get better, especially in the Buffalo game. I started seeing him play with a little bit more confidence. Then the Chicago game, you just saw his posture was totally different. He used his hands. He wasn't catching as much anymore. So you started seeing him move a lot better. You kept seeing progression each game and now you know I just think that he just has to continue to learn the way of the tackle I mean it is it's one of those positions that you know you're gonna get your ass kicked I mean that's going to happen but you've got to learn from it and keep bouncing back everybody talks about his his feet his athletic ability do you see something special there 
Yes. Uh, now, one of the things I can see about him is that he is one of the first ones off the ball. He's never late off the ball. And that's extremely important when you look at offensive tackles because everybody says, okay, well, hey, man, JP with all these false starts. What people don't understand is that offensive tackle, if you ain't first, you last. You better be the first one off that ball. You have to be so in tune to the cadence that if the quarterback hesitates for any reason in his cadence, you're gone. You shot out of there like a cannon. So one of the things that I notice when I'm watching young tackles, is he fast off the ball? Is he first one moving off the ball? And that's one of the things I can say about Diller. He's extremely quick getting off the ball. He does a good job of staying in balance. I think he also does a really good job of when he comes to switching off games, he understands how to handle that. Now it's just being comfortable, staying in good posture, shooting your hands when you need to instead of getting out there and catching everybody. Because that's, that's a totally – once you start catching everybody at offensive tackle – then you're going to be in all kinds of trouble because here comes the stunts. You're going to be giving up ground when it's a bull rush. And, you know, you're never really in a good position to take on the outside rusher if you have to push off your guy and take on a corner or safety that's coming on a blitz. Trey, what does he need to do? I mean, is it is it a strength thing? Is it a technique thing? Is it a mental be more aggressive kind of thing? Is it simply just getting more reps? I would love to see him be a little bit more aggressive. You know, because there was one time when um, I think it was against Buffalo and the guy, he, he, the guy fell down in front of him and there was a chance where he could have just went head on and finished him off. But you didn't see that. You know, I, I want to see him be a little bit more aggressive, you know, be a little bit more nasty out there at the position. And then now I think also, too, it's just timing. It's all about timing. It, it, you know, you can't. One of the things you can't get out there and do and be, you know, be out there like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I should shoot my hands or if I should catch. It's about trusting where you are, getting to a point, shooting your hands, so and trusting where you need to be. Start learning how to count steps. Start watching that stance so that you can get to the point, shoot your hands, and be in a good position. But just trust where you are. I think it's up more about timing and being able to get your hands where you need to be because now you can stay in better posture. How can you do that now in this climate where there's no OTAs and the on-field reps look like they're not going to start until training camp? It's a very simple drill. I do like a, a three-cone drill uh, where I, I, I take uh, three kicks vertical and I punch. Then I take four kicks vertical, punch. So it's just now I'm looking at – I'm basing it off of, okay, if that, if that DN gave me whatever particular stance, I want to get to one, two, three, shoot my hands. One, two, three, four, shoot my hands. Then now if it's all right, if I want to practice that, if the DN comes, if he has his outside foot back in his stance, he takes that one step up field, stab in, and then he comes out. So now I'm going to, just thinking about that in my mind, I want to take two kicks, stab in with my inside foot, then come back out. Just working the footwork of that. And also, too, you can put a band around you to work the punch and all of that. So there's timing stuff that, that can happen that you can drill now to kind of help you get ready for when you hit the field. But there's nothing that can help you. That There's nothing that's going to take the place of actually having somebody run into you and work the bull rush and all of that. Yeah, I wonder what Stout has them doing in this time. Because, you know, Stout's coming up with all sorts of creative drills that the guys can do on their own, which is going to show just how motivated these players are. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I always feel like a, a three-cone drill was always good for me. Just, all right, I take my stance, I take my set, I put a cone down. So I, if I know where my three kicks are, I put that cone down there. And then I take four kicks, put my cone down there. So then I know, okay, I want to get the one, two, three, punch. One, two, three, four, punch. And then take one, two, 
stab in, punch them, redirect back out, you know, just working all of that just so that you can make sure that you get your timing down, keep your foot down you and all of that. So that's some of the stuff that I would work a lot when I was drilling, uh, doing stuff on my own, or even when I was training some of the younger guys, just as something, giving them something to use whenever they want around me, just really focusing on that three cone drill and doing the power steps and all of that stuff there. We'll see how it goes. I mean, we got a tradition here started, started by you of excellence. That's <laughs> yeah. like tackle. Gotta, gotta keep this thing going. Yeah. Well, yeah. Great, right. Yeah, man. You know, I, I, I think this young man, I think he, he has a chance, you know, he just has to just go through the progression. Don't get frustrated. If you get beat, everybody gets beat. Everybody gets put on the air, but it's the, it's the good ones that bounce back and move on from it. I mean, that's, that's just what you're going to have to deal with. You know, and you can't, you can't, you just have to learn from it. Okay. What happened there? Become a student of the game also, man. I, I, I mean, right now, I, I really think I, I really am appreciative of how Juan taught me how to study the game and how to start preparing myself when it came to studying defense events. I think right now with you having time on your hands right now, he should be already looking at everybody that he's going to be going up against and just just have them boxed up, making little cut ups of everybody that he's going to be going up against. And like, all right, this week is going to be Washington week. Next week is going to be Dallas. And whoever's on your schedule already have cut-ups of each defensive player just so that you can be ready to go. That's one of the things that I talked to uh, Prince and, uh, and and Jack about, uh, you know, the two young guys. I'm like, man, first thing that you need to learn how to do is get the cadence down from these young quarterbacks. Because, you know, the, the first thing I noticed that from young guys is that you laid off the ball. And if you laid off the ball, there's nothing that can help you. Everything goes bad once you lay off the ball. So for him, I would just start studying as much as I possible, just getting as many uh, as much film in as he can to kind of help himself get ready for what's about to happen. That's a great segue because I did talk to Prince, who wears number 72 now, and he said yeah. that you're a mentor. And I wondered how you create the relationship with these young guys and what your message is to them. Man, you know what, man? I, it, nowadays, you just hit everybody on Twitter, man. I, you know, as soon as they got drafted, I hit them on Twitter, reached out to them, and I told both of them, like, look, man, you know, if you ever need anything, you know, don't hesitate, hit me up. And uh, Prince gave me a call and reached out, and we've been talking a lot. Uh, Jack, uh, he reached out to me, and I talked to him a little bit more about, uh, you know, taking on the bull rush and all that. And I sat down, and I broke down a lot of their film and just went over some stuff and just gave them some pointers of how I see it. You know, and, and, you know, hopefully it's something that they can take with them. And I, and I just always tell them, like, look, you know, at the end of the day, Coach Stout is your coach. So, you know, if I tell you something that's outside of that, do what Coach Stout said, you know, because that's your coach. But I'm just here to just be an extra tool for you and try to help you if I can. Yeah, Eagles, well, you know, Stout's always going to keep stockpiling talent and working and working and working. It's just you wonder how it's going to work without these spring reps, which I think are very important for – the dance mm-hmm. that you guys do every day. It's its really a choreographed dance along mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage. Yes, sir. So right, we'll see how it plays. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. We'll see how it plays out. I'm really pulling for everybody. So, you know, hopefully, you know, this thing will, you know, we'll get this thing over with and they yep. can get back out there because there's nothing that can substitute the, the chemistry that has to happen between each one of those offensive linemen when you're out there battling, you know, so – uh, hopefully this thing will get cleared up and they can get out there on the field and get to work. Well, get back to your painting, get back to your film study, your family, and stay safe. All right, sounds good, man. You take care. Thanks, Trey. Great, great stuff from Trey Thomas there. 
And now let's visit with the Hall of Famer. We want to celebrate in Canton, Ohio with Harold Carmichael. Will we have that chance? Let's check in with the big guy, Harold Carmichael. Harold, you know, I thought about you because, heck, you waited so long to make it to the Hall of Fame, and you made it, and you celebrated for a minute, and then this pandemic hit, and I don't, do you know what's going to happen next for you? No, really not. We just, I'm pretty much just saying, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, David. Uh, I know it's been a while for us. People have been hearing from me, but I guess reading a lot on Twitter, but not a lot for some of hellos and goodbyes and all of that, but... Um, no, not a whole lot is going on right now. We had a phone conference last month. Um, they're telling us if this happens, if that happens, uh, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. So right now, the uh, Hall of Fame in, uh, induction instrument uh, is pretty much on hold until we find out what's you know what's going on with the whole, the, uh, whole NFL. So the way it is now, I mean, actually, even before the pandemic, I don't think there was a clear-cut date. Is that correct? Uh, well, yes, it was uh, pretty much for the um, the modern day class that is going in this year. They were set for um, for the August um, Hall of Fame induction, and we were going to go in September. We we're going to either be on the 16th or 17th. That's the only thing about that. But uh, um, it was all set pretty much. Harold, what was your what what plans did you put in place for this? I mean, how much how much celebrating are you going to do and how many people would you have in your cheering box in Canton, Ohio? Well, you know, pretty much uh, there's not too much planning we could do. You know, we they had it uh, all planned for us to come out to Canton and we go around and do a, a little tour of, of the uh, Hall of Fame and the orientation part of it, then going out probably uh, picking a place to have a little celebration uh, uh, get-together event. Uh, but we didn't have a chance to do that. There may be a couple of guys that got an opportunity to do that, but um, uh, we, we couldn't do it. So everything that um, uh, we had planned uh, uh, to do, everything that we thought that we could get all set up for, it's all been on hold right now. We don't know what's going on at all. Harold, at what point do you get um, for the bust? What, at what point do you what, – what is that process? How, how is a bust going to be made of Harold Carmichael? Oh, wow. It's, uh, I've been in contact with the guy that's doing that, the sculpture. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's really coming up pretty good. Uh, uh, he sent me uh, – a couple of weeks ago, he sent me uh, where he was, uh, almost a finished product. All he had, I think he said all he has to do – it's bronze it right now. Uh, God did a great job. They sent me a video on how they go about doing it from start to finish. Uh, but not not with me, but with, uh, I guess with Tim Bailey. They had uh, a YouTube video of them doing his bus. But uh, it came out pretty good. I mean, he sent me a picture of it. And, uh, you know, first of all, I have to let my wife get the okay, say it was okay. So, you know, we had a little tweaks here and there, but. Other than that, everything came out great. And then, Harold, I, and I don't even know if I know this. I, I feel like it was years ago since I saw you. Gosh, I miss everybody so much. Um, who's doing your induction speech? Who's your, who's, is it? I'm guessing, and I, I, off the top of my head, I would say my two leading candidates 
would be Dick Vermeil and Mike Quick. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I've been try, you know been really playing on it, trying to figure out who I want to do it. Um, right now, I still haven't um, picked anybody. Uh, it's something that you don't have to you know do right away. So uh, I'm still playing on it, trying to figure out who I want to do it. And um, uh, you know, I have some good choices there, but uh, there's a couple of more people in there that I'm thinking about. All righty, uh, Harold, has this experience? altered your thoughts, made you cherish it even more going through this incredibly disruptive and deadly global pandemic that, my gosh, you know, nothing is ever given to you in this life? Has it made you even cherish this Hall of Fame moment even more? Well, you know, it's, um, you kind of, I kind of feel a little uh, disappointed that I haven't gotten a chance to really celebrate um, the, uh, the induction. Um, I had a chance right before it really hit big. I was down in Florida, down in Jacksonville, and uh, all my friends down there got together and uh, gave me a little celebration party down there, which was awesome for them to do. Um, but, you know, as far as getting out, I had an opportunity to do one autograph um, signing session. Uh, that was just right before. It hit big, so I've pretty much been uh, been inside. You know, it, it's, you still kind of have to pinch yourself and say, "I am a Hall of Famer now." But you know, uh, when you don't get around and hear people talk about it, uh, uh, well, shaking hands is out out of question right now. Uh, the pats on the backs, all of that type of stuff. You don't get a chance to really let it sink in. But you know. Um, I talked to some of uh, the, the current Hall of Famers and I'm asking them questions, and they always reminded me, you are a Hall of Famer now. And my wife and son will let me let it, uh, I'll forget that either because, you know, because every day almost my wife is saying Hoff, call me Hoff. You know, so um, it, it, <laughs> that, that's the reminder that I get, you know, uh, about being selected, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, listen, Harold, please. Don't have any any second thoughts, reservations. Eagles fans have not forgotten you. The people who, who watched you play, you are absolutely a Hall of Famer many years later than we should have found out. I mean, uh, it, it could, couldn't be more excited that could not be more excited that you are in the Hall of Fame. I think everybody agrees with that. Well, David, you know, um, one of the lessons that I've I've learned uh, way back years ago. Is patience, and you know, um, I found out a lot of times when I wanted to do something or I wanted this to happen, I wanted to be in this situation. I learned that um, I, I, being very patient, God has you know put that in me now to just just wait, and He has something better for me. Now, you know, I found that out. You know, I, I experienced that almost every day, and just having you know having patience and stuff because. You know, I feel for these, a lot of these uh, uh, 2020 college graduates, I mean, high school and college graduates, that they don't get a good chance to do uh, all of the things that they heard about for three or four years from people ahead of them saying, oh, how great the prom was, how the um, class trip was. You know, you, you know, I don't even remember um, my, pretty much my graduation, my prom night. It's been so long ago. And... But, you know, things will get better. You know, there's always some stuff that's going to happen to you 
that it, it might make you forget about, you know, we'll never forget about graduating, but, you know, just having that, uh, that feeling that, oh, I didn't get a chance to do this, I didn't have a chance to do that. But, you know, there's, uh, just be patient. There's, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to go on for you that uh, is going to be even better. Agreed. Thank you so much, Harold. Thank you, David. Appreciate you for the time. Take care. Take care. Be healthy, all right? We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. You too. Stay safe. Stay home. Bye, my friend. And that will do it for this Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks so much to Peter Kelly and Ray Doyle for putting it all together. Thanks to all of you for joining. Once again, we ask you for some ratings. A five-star rating goes such a long way. And we love your feedback. So please make sure you hit us up in the details section of your podcast library and drop us a five-star review. It really does help. Eagles insider Dave Spadaro with you. Thanks for joining everyone. We are back again on Wednesday. More Eagles talk as we look ahead to 2020. Thanks everybody. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly Eagles fly. E-A-T-L-E.